Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we are creating confident communication and our podcast and we have an amazing guest with us, Cheryl Knowlton today. And Cheryl Knowlton is the CEO and Chief Energy Officer at Dynamic Productions, a certified women-owned company and consulting firm that helps people discover who they truly are so that they can communicate with others in an entirely new way lean into and lead from their strengths and elevate excellence in every area of their lives. She recently completed her service as the president of the Mountain West chapter of NSA. She's authored three books, Burn the Hamster Will, Stress Management Strategies for Today's Real Estate Professional, and I'm Only Half Crazy, Life Lessons Learned While Running 20 Half Marathons. And the 246 things that can go wrong in a real estate transaction. Cheryl is the host of the popular podcast, Magnifying Brilliance. And as of today, she's completed 31 half marathons. She's a California girl. Cheryl now lives in Utah with her husband and 13 grandchildren and her dog, Scooby-Doo. And when she is not traveling and speaking, Cheryl can usually be found running another half marathon and enjoying the magic of Disney theme park. Yes, she is a kid of heart. And if you're lucky, you might even catch her doing both at the same time, which we love all your Mickey decor. That's amazing. Welcome, Cheryl. We are so excited to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you, Talia. I'm honored to be here. Yes. And so I wanted to kind of start with you know, what, all of these amazing things with your books, I mean, when did you start to feel the call to start speaking and sharing your message in confidence with everybody in this world? Yeah. Um, On my journey to become a professional public speaker began accidentally. Um, I was, um, I was working as a, a wholesale account executive for a very large international mortgage company. And they, it was a very interesting time. I started working for them March 3rd of 2003. So 030303 was my very first day. Working oh, wow. I know, right? And I noticed a lot of inconsistent challenges and problems. And so I went to my boss. I, I was given a lot of leverage. Um, I was one of only six in the in the country that had my exact position. And so I went to him and I said, I have this idea. And bless his heart, he allowed me to create... Um, a series of three courses to create um, the greater likelihood of success for our clients. And they loved it. And I discovered that I loved it. Um, And so doing that, right about that time, the Utah Division of Real Estate um, changed licensing laws and continuing education requirements. And um, professionally, my boss was in favor of different boss um, then the original boss was very in favor of me becoming certified to teach continuing education courses to real estate agents um, and mortgage loan professionals that he saw that as a really great fit and something they didn't have. And, and so I started doing it. And the more I did it, the more I realized I loved it. And then that started the journey of content creation. And the more I did it, the more I loved it. Lather, rinse, repeat. And here we are 20 years later. Hey. So what you started speaking mostly, remind me, because you've got the queen, like the crown. I've always seen that around with what you're doing. What was it that you, your kind of the title was again, queen, yeah. something queen. 
in the real estate industry, I was given the title of being the compliance queen. And at first I rejected that. I thought, ah, I don't want that. But then I, I started to lean into it and, and started to, to really love it and have fun with it. And yeah, and starting to really lean into teaching real estate professionals across the country and even in other countries how to not only get a license, but how to hold on to it, how to really serve the public and then not be sued and not go to jail, ideally. But, you know. Not a good, not Which a good career awesome. move. And the thing I thought was funny, I know you really well. And so I actually thought you were the confidence queen. I was like, oh, that is so awesome. Because you exude so much love and confidence out of you and what you do and what you share and your passion. It's like, it's just on fire. So um, I just, I would love to know just a little bit more about you. So everyone else can learn a little bit about you. I mean, tell us about, tell us about how you kind of gained some of that confidence throughout your life. Oh, I, I'm a I'm a late bloomer in in every in every area. My 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 hero's journey in life started very very bumpy. Um, I was I was born in California in the late 1960s to two teenagers who were not able to marry, um, and my mother my. My beautiful biological mother um, had no choice, literally, but to put me up for adoption. She had no support, no help, and was threatened that she would, they would disown her and she would have nowhere to live if she did not put me up for adoption. She waited until the very last hour of the last day before she signed the papers. And so I spent six weeks in foster care um, as she was praying mightily for a miracle. And the miracle came, but the miracle was not that I was going to be able to stay with her. Uh, I was adopted at six weeks of age by um, two of the most angelically fabulous humans on the planet. Um, they had been trying for 13 years to have me. I was their only child. And for just shy of five years, life was absolutely perfect and glorious and, and magical. Um, I Copernicus called and verified I was truly the center of the universe um, with them and for them. And everything was so incredibly wonderful. My, my angel mother, my adoptive mother, um, all she ever wanted to do was to be a mother and a stay home, a stay at home mom. And thankfully, um, that was, that was a viable option. Um, and so our, our little family was, um, was just so joyful and, and happy until, um, uh, a few weeks before my fifth birthday, um, my my angel mother became one herself. She had a, a very serious brain tumor that had metastasized by the time they found it, and there was no, um, there was nothing that they could do. And she she went home um, to to heaven. And my poor dad, bless his heart, he uh, did not have any idea what to do. This is not what I signed up for. Holy cow! How is this happening? And um, he started dating again very, very quickly. And, and ultimately he would, if he were here right now, he would tell you that that was a, that was a huge mistake. I mean, he dated some really wonderful women and unfortunately he married the one who was not <laughs> a wonderful. Um, she, that she didn't announce until after the nuptials that she loathed and detested children and wanted to send me back to the adoption agency. Like I was a puppy that didn't work out. And when he said absolutely not to that, 
she wanted to send me to boarding school in Colorado. Nothing wrong with Colorado. I absolutely love Colorado, but that was not um, something he was willing to do. And so the last option was that she, because she was going to keep her job and she was going to keep working. And, um, and he was working for the federal government as a petroleum engineer and a very demanding job. And he, um, needed somewhere for me to go before and after school. And he, um, fortuitously divine orchestration, um, found a, a wonderful family, um, with a son who was just a few years older than me, a daughter that was a few weeks younger than I was. And I wound up living with them for nine and a half years during the week. And I would, I came home on weekends and holidays. And so I had, I really, truly started out having a both and life. I knew what it was like to be an only child and I knew what it was like to be a middle child. I really, truly had a very unusual upbringing and I had two families. And if you count my biological family, and at that point I had no idea who they were or where they were, I had more (laughs) two families and now I adopt people. So it's great. It's fine. It's fun. So um, I did, I was not confident. I was extraordinarily confident as a little girl um, when it was just my mommy and daddy and I was the center of the universe. I was extraordinarily confident. But then when my stepmother entered the picture, um, I started, that was the first of really, truly recognizing now um, adult Cheryl coming to the rescue of little Sherry. Um, And when the adult woman shows up, the little child can be safe. And um, I I see now that I began giving my power away um, to my stepmom at age six, trying desperately to get her to like me. Everybody else had always liked me, loved me, adored me, thought I was adorable. And she was not having it. And, and yeah, she wasn't having it for decades. Um, and that ultimately did change. A lot of people were like, what happened there? Um, that, that got better as, as the years went on, but it was married all those years. They did. They did. Yeah. They stayed married all those years. They've since both passed away. Um, my stepmom passed away in 2008 and my dad in 2018. Um, but that was a very bumpy start for me and it rocked my confidence. And so growing up, um, I was not, I really didn't feel very confident until my dad took early retirement from um, his job as a petroleum engineer with the federal government. And I got to come home to live. And I felt like my life started all over again, that we had pressed pause from the time I went to live with that family when I was six and a half to the time I was 15 and a half. And there was this great big pause in my life. And now, yes, I, yeah, I get, I get to do and be all the things and I can go get a job and I can have my own money and I can buy my own clothes and I, I, I get freedom. Um, and, and that's, that was a really, that was a big turning point in my confidence level um, was, was being able to come back home and be with my dad. That was huge. And were you able to have, um, you know, good communication with your dad and your stepmom at that time or? Fabulous with my dad, non-existent with my stepmom. It was, it was still terrible. Um, but by that time I'd stopped caring. Um, I recognized that it was a losing battle to try to win her love and affection. And I had done it for so many years unsuccessfully that I genuinely gave up. And, and just stopped trying and stopped. I really genuinely stopped caring. Like, I don't need your approval. <laughs> it's like that. I always say to my kids, I passed on the disease, the disease to please to you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but the point is, is like when you get to a space where you realize that it's not always about you. And sometimes we can look in the mirror and see our own things. But what I've come to realize, and I don't know if you felt this way, is I'm not for all people. Not everybody's going to like me. And that's okay to get there, right? And to feel that. Yes. And I'm still working on that. As my mindset coach would attest if he were here right now. But um yeah, I mean, there are a lot of childhood triggers and that I I I do. I love everybody unless and until they prove to me that I can't and shouldn't. Um and yeah, and then it's you know devastating and, and awful. But yeah, I I I love everybody and I I I believe somewhere in my psyche, I believe everyone should love me. And there's a logical part of my brain that I know that that's not always the case. And there's a logical part of my brain that says I'm okay with it. And I now know that there's a bigger part of me that is like, I don't like that. I don't choose that. I don't want that. I want every, I want everybody to be happy and. Well, I started doing these affirmations with my kids and there's this like song and it's all catchy and the little girls sing it because I have a three and a 10 year old, but it says, it's okay if someone doesn't like me because I know that a lot of people love me. And it's so cute because they start singing that. And, and even the other day, my little, my little cute Cambria said, you know, mom, these girls at dance, they don't really like me. And I know they don't, but I know other people, I know lots of people love me. And I thought, you know what, that's just like one of those things we could all say. Yes, I do, right? We're not for all. So did you end up just going right into real estate? Like once you moved out or how did that transition kind of happen to you on your own and speaking and Mm. share a little bit about that? Sure. So I, um, given this rocky situation with my stepmom, there was a, a big part of me that was very eager to move out and start my own life and start my own family. And so I've always done things kind of backwards. Um, I, I got approved, uh, I got accepted to my one and only university of choice, which was Brigham Young University. And, um, fell in love with um, a man that I met while he was serving his LDS mission in California and uh, waited until after his mission, he actually came home and got engaged to someone else. Um, But some months, so six months after he got home, I felt a very strong impression to reach out to him. I had, I didn't know his name or his, or I knew, obviously I knew his name, but I didn't know his, um, his address or his parents' name. So I called the mission home and and back, you know, this is back in 1985. Like, there were no privacy laws to the extent that we have them today. And they're like, oh, sure. And they gave me all this information. And so I called his house and that started, started that journey. We got engaged. I flew to Utah every six weeks um, during my senior year of high school. Got accepted to BYU, thank heaven, considering, yeah, my, my focus was not on, on my academics my senior year of high school at all. And, and then um, we got engaged a few weeks after my 18th birthday. I graduated from high school, moved to Utah. Um, we got married and I started BYU two weeks later. Wow. <laughs> yep. So most people don't start uh, start their freshman year married, but uh, I did. I was the smartest 18-year-old on the entire planet. Um, and he had had mentioned to me that he had bipolar disorder and I being the naive 18 year old that I was had no idea what that was, what that meant, did not know that it was a mental illness. And he he told me that it, he took a, a pill twice a day and that was it. And it didn't affect him otherwise. 
um, and that it could potentially affect our kids, but that it really wasn't going to be a big deal. <laughs> that, that's funny. A lot of people know about that bipolar, right? Yes, a lot of people know about it now, but back back then it was um, it was not talked about. It was very very taboo, very very hush hush, and something that was that you know that we didn't we didn't openly talk about. And his parents certainly were didn't want to openly talk about it because that there was there was just way too much shame and guilt around all of it um, and shrouding all of it, and and that's that's terribly unfortunate for everyone involved. Very, very happy that we now live and that we've come so far as a society that we are more open and willing to talk about things that are that are hard to talk about. Um, but it certainly did affect me. It affected our relationship. It affected our children, certainly affected our confidence, my confidence. Um, I was married to him for 14 and a half years. And so my journey into real estate started um, at the 12 ish year mark of, uh, being married to him, the wheels started to really come off. I had just had my fourth baby girl, my fourth daughter, and I was done. And, and I made the decision with the help of my dad that I was going to move back to California. The house was in my name and I moving by. Um, and, and he, he begged me, my ex-husband begged me to let him, come with us and that he would change and he would repent and and all the things. And, and I prayed about it really, really hard Talia, and it wasn't time for me to be done yet. And so I said, okay. And things, we were in California for two years, almost to the day. And a year after we were there, a friend of mine from Utah had been badgering me um, and telling me, I think that, I think you'd be really awesome as a mortgage loan originator. You really ought to consider this. You could work from home. You could make incredible money. We would all support you and give you everything you need. And finally, the timing was right that I accepted her invitation and, and started down that path as a mortgage loan originator um, in 1999. And um, in California, I had to have a real estate license in order to do that which I thought was the stupidest thing in the history of ever and ultimately shaped uh, a lot of my path. And, and I'm, you know, at this point, looking back at the hero's journey, I'm so excited and grateful for all of it. Not so much when we're in the middle of it, oh, yeah. not excited or grateful. So I was on the, on the retail side of lending, working with the public for three years. And then um, when I moved back, Moved back to to Utah um, because my company was here and felt very strongly that I needed to. And that's a whole experience in and of itself about how strongly um, I was told I needed to come back and how all the all the celestial dominoes lined up for me to be able to do that. Um, and three weeks later, I invited him to leave. It was definitely time to be done. And um, yeah. So thankfully, I mean, it was the real estate and mortgage industry that allowed me to have the financial freedom that I had never had um, to be able to leave an abusive situation. It changed everything for me. Amazing. And so you did just end up with the four kids, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when I married my sweetheart, I got five bonus kids. So, but I went from being an only child to having four children of my own to having a family of nine children. Like, whoa, we're almost a, a baseball team here. Well, that in its own is like how to communicate effectively with nine, right? Uh, yeah, intercom system and a lot of yelling. So, 
Right. And I know you had kind of shared with me just briefly, but I felt like you and I resonated with, you know, how I share out and speak about, you know, my confidence in communication with gaining 80 pounds five times and having 10 pregnancies to get my children. I had no idea that you had had many miscarriages. How many were, how many? So after, after I married my sweetheart and my Prince Charming, Rick, um, in April, uh, in February of 2022, at the very end of the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. Holy cow. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we knew, I mean, my stars, we had nine children between us. And it wasn't that we didn't have um, a, a gaggle of children. Um, we just really wanted to have children together. And he really wanted to be able to, to have children with a woman who loved him and, and didn't think he was crazy. <laughs> and, you know, and, and saw him for who he really truly is. And, uh, so we, we tried very, very hard, had nine consecutive miscarriages. Um, and the last one almost took my life. That was at the end of May of 2008. Wow. I had no idea. That's one thing I hadn't heard. So I guess the message you felt was we are complete. You didn't need to do the cheaper by the dozen. Let's see nine, you and your husband, 10, 11, that movie cheaper by the dozen, right? That's probably not. Yes, that's a cute movie. We saw that shortly after we got married, and and that was really cute. And we we really really wanted that. It was uh, it was heartbreaking. Um, to I'd never had a miscarriage before, and you know it was it was terrible. I don't I don't recommend. Yeah, zero and, out of ten would recommend. And some people, yeah, they don't know until it's happened to them. And that's uh-huh. where, you know, I share out for me, every time that would happen, I would feel so broken that I turned to food again. And I would want to eat to comfort myself because I felt like, what's wrong with me? And and kind of what you were saying in the timing, I realized I was supposed to eventually have a 19 and a three-year-old, which is absolutely exhausting. And I didn't realize that I'd have my last one in my 40s, but it was absolutely orchestrated, like you said. And sometimes I'm sure that wasn't easy, but i I assume you just decided maybe that wasn't the right choice to move forward on another baby, obviously, right? Well, heaven took care of that. So yeah, it just, uh, yeah, after, after that tubal pregnancy that ruptured and I was 30 minutes away from dying, um, we just never got pregnant again. So, and you know, the interesting thing, I know you've shared a lot about, gosh, was it 31 marathons you've done or half marathons? Half. I'm only half crazy. I know you've done the real thing. <laughs> I have not done the real thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've done 31 half marathons. My goal is to do 60 by my 60th birthday. Wow. So that will be, you're still young. You're still young. So you've got a lot more to do, right? <laughs> I only have five years to do it. So yeah, I got work. Now, what is it you, what is it you feel from doing that? How does that, what does the half marathons do for you? I mean, obviously you wouldn't have done 31 if it hadn't filled your bucket or helped you be able to have that self-care or what, what is it? What is it you love about the half marathons? Well, I wrote a book about it. So um, I'm only half crazy is specifically about, about my, my journey and their business application lessons for each of my first 20. Um, I love the energy of the starting line and I love the energy of the finish line. Um, my personality profile, I've done a lot of research and study and I've gotten a, n- a number of certifications into personality given my journey. Like where, where did I come from? Where did I, I mean, yeah, that question, but where did my personality come from? Did it come from my birth family? Did it come from my adopted family? Is it nature? Is it nurture or is it more? Um, is it, is it heaven sent? 
And, and so studying, I'm now certified in three different personality modalities. And, um, I, I've learned about myself that I, I love to start things. Um, and that's actually, that shows up in, in a personality uh, modality called the pro scan. That is the one that I just recently got certified in through our mutual good friend, Spencer Horn. Um, but it's harder for me to finish things. And I need to surround myself with people who will allow me to get things across the finish line. So taking control of my own finish lines is so powerful for me, um, just personality wise and recognizing I can't delegate this. This is for me to finish and and this is for me to do. And then I have all the medals to prove it. So, wow, I think part of my personality, I'm excited to keep learning and from you about this because I'm working with you as my mentor. But the thing I was going to explain about that is I think that's me too. I get all these great ideas and I want to get going and then sometimes to finish it. And I really believe when I was told that I couldn't, you know, run that marathon or that I was too old or I was too whatever heavy. When I did that, there was this almost like I could accomplish anything in my life if I could get that done. And I think that's what helped me be able to, you know, lose lose that weight um, and do that five different times, right? Because that's maybe what you're saying. I didn't realize that piece, but just having that goal to feel like, okay, I can do this. And even if people didn't believe in myself that I could, I could do it, cross it off the list. So I want to learn more about that. That's amazing. Absolutely. Let's, let's handle that. Let's, uh, let's make sure that we. So, So is that what you're sharing with people? I mean, not only do you help um, get out there and teach people with real estate you've done about how to become a better speaker and and get on stages. And I think I think I just the question I would love to ask you is with you helping so many right now is what do you what is it you'd say to the one person that could resonate with your message with where you talked about you know marrying that first love and 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 the situations you had felt with the bipolar and the kids and and then moving on to the marriage where you felt you know, discouraged and trying to have a baby, like tell, what would you say to the one person that's struggling with whatever trials are in their life, but they're feeling called to do something greater or speak out or get out? What would you say to that one person? Mm, Unmute yourself. If the pandemic taught us nothing else, it gave us the gift of Zoom, which you and I are using to record this very podcast right this very minute. And how many times during how many courses have I had to tell people or even coaching sessions, unmute yourself. And and just remembering that that is permission we give ourselves. And we can't, the, the sooner we can look for that inside of ourselves and not seeking for external validation, the, the sooner at that power starts to seep in and we start to get it and we start to feel it. And then, then there's nothing holding us back. There's, it's the power of a volcano and there's no holding it back. Right. So for even for those that feel like they don't have a voice or that they are not to be heard, we all have something to share, right? Absolutely. Everyone has a story to share. It's, uh, it's mining the diamonds in our personal stories and ultimately, when when we we know one thing about this life, um, there there's only one exit strategy, and 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 we don't like to think about it or talk about it, and we pretend it's never going to happen, and we just keep living. But what is your legacy going to be when you're no longer here to tell your stories? Who's going to be here to tell them? And if you don't, 
use that to the time that we're given now to tell your story, even if you record it on a voice memo on your phone or, or voice record on your phone or or there are so many apps there. So you can go on to Word for heaven's sake and click the microphone button. Um, there, there's so many ways to record our stories. Um, it's a matter of do it one a week one a week. And by this time next year, you'll have 52 stories recorded. And if you do that over a period of two years, five years, 10 years, it's the compound effect. Think of the vault of, of amazing stories that you'll have to share with your children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews. I mean, no one knows your story like you do. Oh, that's amazing. So what, I, what I'm hearing you say is just get on and record, record yourself speaking or share something. Um, that's something I've loved because you've been amazing to like share prompts of it's like all these amazing stories coming up, memories. I mean, just a few, name a few for a couple people that just wanted to get out and share like a couple journal prompts just to um, help us kind of remember what we could share. I mean, I'm thinking back of some that I, some that you've shared with me. There's some on gratitudes and some on um, family traditions. I mean, if you don't know where to start, just start somewhere, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And there are books that you can buy um, to, to help you with story starters, but everything from your first job to your first date and, and your first love and your and your first pet, your favorite holiday and any traditions that you had growing up that you've carried into adulthood, what your childhood room looked like, um, your favorite foods. Um, the, yeah, all of that, whether you or not, you love camping, where, where would you go on your dream vacation? I mean, just right. so many things that we can use as prompts to get us started. For what you were saying about just unmute, what I'm finding with this notebook is I just come downstairs and, um, if I just start journaling a lot of times, so much comes up, it's like, yeah. dump it out. I want to keep writing. And it's almost like, I feel like I'm moving forward when I start to express in words and that maybe not all people are that way. I really do believe I'm a words person, but I think just writing down our thoughts and our stories and our memories gives us, it's almost like letting go so that we can receive more and we can have more. Um, the times in my life that I've really done that. And I'm, again, I'm working on another book that I'm doing about creating confident communication, which is awesome. And what I'm finding is out of the blue, when I'm doing this often, I'll have a thought or a memory or a funny story. Um, you know, I have these little kids that say the funniest things in the whole world. And I'll laugh because I think, what was that first word they said? Like my one son, I think he was three and he loved corn dogs. And he'd always say, you know, mom, 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 I need a horn dog. I mean, he'd say the funniest things. And I have my three-year-old now that says the cutest little stories. And it's kind of like, if we don't write them down, we forget them, right? Absolutely. Yes. They are treasures that are lost if we don't write them down or record them in some way. And so what I guess I'm hearing you say in all of this is sometimes even just helping the one person, sometimes even sharing a message or just being able to speak out or unmute yourself when someone else is going through something can be so life-changing to that person. And, and that's my goal. And our goal here on the podcast is even being able to reach the one. So if, if you guys, if we can do it through having the, you know, the struggles that we've had and being able to get out in the world and communicate our messages and be able to try to communicate effectively, then we know, we absolutely know that you can too. 
So Cheryl, do you have any other thoughts before we close? We're just so grateful that you've been a part of this today. Oh, thank you so much, Talia. I love and appreciate you and appreciate being able to to be here and share a few thoughts today. Um, One thing that I have loved learning more about is the hero's journey. And if you, if you're not familiar with the hero's journey, most people, whether they love it or not, are familiar with a little movie franchise called Star Wars. And George Lucas hired Joseph Campbell to help him create Luke Skywalker's hero's journey. And, and it's become a book and it's become, um, I mean, college thesis, what's the plural of thesis? Multiple, many theses, theses have been written, um, um, about the hero's journey. And it's, it's the premise for my internationally accredited coaching program that I can, I can see the finish line of that journey. And I'm so grateful and so excited. And just the recognition that every single one of us is a hero whole and complete. And every single one of us is on our hero's journey. And it's our responsibility individually and collectively, but especially individually to share the lessons we have learned along the way. Every one of us has been blessed and gifted with experiences, whether we loved them or hated them in the moment. I look back on everything that I've been through. I'm like, I wouldn't want to go through that again. Um, but I don't know if I chose them or if they were divinely orchestrated, but I, I believe that they are divinely orchestrated to give me the experience that I needed to have, um, in, in this life. And so just to, to make the time, find the time, um, it doesn't have to take a long time. It, for me, it's, it's 15 minutes every Sunday. Um, and that, that's my time that I, that I do that. And I'm working on creating that vault of stories for my now 13 grandchildren, because when I'm not here to tell the stories of my parents and my grandparents, my children don't know the stories well enough to tell them. It's my responsibility to tell them. I love that. So just 15 minutes every Sunday, you'll sit down and write, you know, the other thought is you're a great storyteller. I love to do that is even having them recorded so they could hear you. Yes. Hear your voice. Have you done that or just mostly the writing now? Um, mostly I'm doing it on a program called Reconto. Um, and it's a video program because I, I did an email prompt with my dad for a year asking him all of these stories about your first job and your first pet. And how did you meet Bonnie mommy? And how did you you know feel the day that you brought me home from the adoption agency and all of that? Uh-huh. Um, but what, and I got his words. But what what I wouldn't give to be able to see him and hear him tell those stories. So video video is where it's at for me. Right. And then with new 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 technology, it's not that hard to do. Just take a few minutes. And even those that get embarrassed to get on video, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yep. You know, I'm just so grateful because what I what I love the most about today's podcast is giving people permission to just share. Everybody has stories. Everybody has memories and you have no idea how valuable some of the life lessons and the trials that we've gone through can help bless people's lives. I mean, for instance, I never, ever thought that I'd be speaking and sharing some of the most painful trials and the most. Amen, sister, sing it loud, preach. I, it's, it's been tough because sometimes I'm like, I'm a hypocrite. I still love food when I'm sad. I still sometimes feel feel like I wasn't complete for not being able to have all these babies. But I do believe that those experiences and what we think about what we're going through can change that experience. I do believe that if we're in the process of something really painful, and if that's you out there, you know, that asking the question, what am I to learn from this? You know, what, 
what is this? What is it teaching me? You know, and even just recently, I've been going through my own personal things. I shared a little bit this morning with you. And I had a thought before the call, what if these exact experiences are helping me become even better at what I want to communicate and help other people with? When I struggle with my own kids and my own communication, maybe it's so that I can, it's happening so that I can help others more, right? Because I'm learning more. Do you agree with that? Because that's just where I came to today. I totally agree with that. And and ultimately, having been through my experiences, I believe that every experience, um, usually the bad ones, is a fork in the road. And we can allow it, uh, allow those experiences to make us bitter. And we all can think of people who have had terrible experiences in life and they allow those experiences to make them bitter. Or we can choose to allow those experiences to make us better. Oh, I love that. So we choose better today. Cheryl, thank you so much. And remember, we are helping create confident communication just one person at a time, 15 minutes at a time, and you've got this. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Natalia. Thank you, everybody. All right. Love you, girl.